It is Thursday, May 19th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who believes you can borrow money from any sandwich shop in Utah because they all offer a Provo loan oh, lunch. Oh my gosh. What the world? J.P. Even Devin's not laughing at that one. Welcome to Jaguars Happy Hour. My name's J.P. Shadrick. We've got a busy show ahead. Of course, Jaguars linebacker Devin Lloyd coming up. Jags analyst Jeff Lagerman, as always. We'll review the rookie minicamp from last week. We will preview organized team activities coming up next week. And, of course, a look around the National Football League. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Devin Lloyd in studio with us. Great to see you. Thanks for the time. What's up? Of course. That was a horrible joke, wasn't it? It was pretty bad. I can't even lie. (laughs) Yeah, way to go, Joe. You set a new low. He's got he's got a little bit of a wacky mind, you know. But I give him credit though to come up with Provo Provolone. It had something to do with Salt Lake City. I might like it more, but because it was Provo, the Holy War. It's a rivalry, not the right thing. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a big state. Well, welcome to Jacksonville. You 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 finally starting to get a little bit settled. Yeah, I am. I'm getting acclimated out here. Looking for a house is not going so well. I mean, it's going okay. You know, that'll probably finally allow me to, like, really settle in. But, I mean, you know, getting to know everybody in the locker room is going great. And, you know, getting my playbook, you know, it's been good. I think that's for everybody right now. Looking for a house is kind of tough these days. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, tough. it's a little a little different market nowadays, <laughs> right. you know. But, uh, right. but it's a big step. I mean, first of all, congratulations, uh, first-round draft pick. You know, sometimes guys grew up with the NFL being a lifelong dream. I don't know if it was one of yours, but congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for sure. This is something really um, since I started playing football, you know, I always wanted to go to the next level, really go to um, college and then go to the NFL. So I'd always aspire to play in the NFL. And, um, you know, I'm just glad to be here, man. So take us through. We're going to go back a little bit. We'll, we'll get to rookie camp coming up and what's coming up on OTAs and all that in just a little bit. But, um, Coming from the state of California to Utah, how did you end up in Utah, and why did you decide to go to Salt Lake? Yeah, um, really for me, um, you know, because Salt Lake was never really on the radar. Um, you know, I never really saw myself going there until a couple weeks before signing day. Actually, um, really when they started recruiting me heavily, um, and they actually offered me a couple weeks before signing day. They had offered me um, at a basketball game. Um, but up until that point, you know, my recruiting was relatively low. Um, I was playing, you know, free safety and wide receiver. And, um, you know, it was it was tough. Um, you know, I was a tweener. Uh, there was a lot of things in my recruiting process that didn't really swing my way. But um, when Utah came into the picture, you know, it was a great opportunity for me. Um, first of all, it's a great institution. Um, they had been producing a lot of people in the, uh, in the NFL. And, I mean, really it just came down to, you know, they were, you know, my best choice as far as everything that I wanted to accomplish. Pac-12 school, too. Pac-12 yeah. school. They were my Good only deal. power five. Well, what's, wrong, well, there you go. what's so good about Pac-12? ACC <laughs> is where it's at, man. <laughs> no, no, just, just SEC. Kidding. Come on, SEC. Well, yeah, on. He's an Alabama See, guy. I'm a Virginia guy. That's why we got different things They actually do play football in the Pac-12, believe it or yeah, not. Yeah, but it, it, and it's actually kind of uh, what the NFL is, isn't that it's it's more in the air. And you, you, t- you talk about maybe being a tweener hurt you. But here, in the long run, being a tweener has actually probably helped you because of what the game has become. 
because you're starting to see more guys that play college football or come out of high school that played safety that convert the linebacker because of the speed of the game and the way it's become a passing game. Yeah, hundred percent. So that's got it. That's ha- that has to have helped you. Yeah, in your journey. In the long run, for sure, and uh, really, it just hurt me probably in the recruiting process. But in the long run, like you um, just stated, yeah, it definitely has helped me for sure. All right. So, uh, what'd you study at Utah? Uh, got your degree. Uh, where you at? Communications. I got my degree in communications. Actually, yeah. Nice. Congratulations. I mean, that's, I think that's a big deal. I mean, uh, and the, the 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 studies have shown that in the National Football League, players that have a degree have a longer career by I think three years. Fact. You know. So congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank All right. You. So take us through a little bit. Last Utah thought here. We've talked about this before. We've heard the story there of the last couple of years off the field with that football team, and then that group stayed together. How close was that team at the very end of it? Obviously won the Pac-12, went to yeah. the Rose Bowl for the first time ever in Utah history, yeah. but that's a long road to get to that point yeah. with everything that happened off the field there. Yeah, I would say that team um, was extremely close. And, I mean, it was pretty much identical to the, the team we had last year, uh, 2020, excuse me, because nobody left. You know, everybody came back, so yeah. we already, you know, were familiar with everybody and then, um, you know, obviously went through um, some tragedy and that brought us even closer. But um, really that whole last couple of years that I was there, that team um, was really strong, you know, as far as just being close with everybody, everybody, um, you know, respecting and loving one another. Really, that was uh, that was a huge thing. I would have to think that uh, not only the tragedy that you guys went through at Utah, but you guys went through a pandemic. Okay, so you put all these things together and you Mm -hmm. talk about closeness. I don't know if anybody could come more together than what you guys were going through at that time, not just with the tragedy, but with what's going on, what, what was going on in the world at that time. Yeah, definitely for sure. The pandemic, whenever 2020 um, occurred and, you know, we were kicked out the building essentially, um, that kind of really divided us because well, I wouldn't say divided us, but we just weren't in the locker room together. Nobody was there with one another. So when we did come back and we were finally all together, um, you know, it was like a joy, you know, like finally getting to see everybody, um, you know, be there. And I mean, I think that just started to build on top of, you know, everybody's relationship. Devin Lloyd with us, Jaguars linebacker, first round draft pick, 27th overall selection. It's Jaguars happy hour on 1010XL and Jaguars.com. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. All right, so we we love the video on draft night. You're, you're sitting back in the green room. You're in Las Vegas. First off, that had to be pretty darn cool to be in Las Vegas for the draft, I, I would guess, right? Yeah, big blessing. Um, you know, I'm glad I had the opportunity to be there. You know, that was extremely special for myself and my family. And then second, you hear your name called, and you go on the stage. You're throwing the commissioner around. You're yelling at Melissa Stark. I mean that that moment when you hear your name, the reaction is finally that dream come true. Take us through that that experience. Yeah, relief, um, satisfaction. Um, I mean, every emotion that it is um, that you can think of. Uh, you know, I had it at that moment. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. You know, I didn't expect to to fall that late, but uh, when I did, um, you know, get the call, um, you know, it was just just so much, you know, just joy, you know, just all kind of let out. It's like, okay, I know where I'm going. Um, this is where God has sent me, you know, and I mean, really just, um, it, it was just special, you know, I was glad to finally find out, you know, where I could call home, you know. I've, uh, I've, I've watched a couple different interviews that you've done and, and you talk, I mean, literally glowingly about your mom and dad 
and how much of an impact that they had on your life and where you are today. Uh, and I think that's awesome to have uh, uh, both parents to have that kind of good things to say about them. They obviously did a great job. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm just so grateful and blessed, um, you know, for the parents that I had and how much, you know, they love me. And, I mean, truly they want nothing but the best for me. And, I mean, nobody's perfect, but that's all I could truly ask for, you know, um, from my parents. So, you know, I'm grateful for them. Navy brat. You're a Navy brat, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that right? I am. <laughs> so, so what's the connection with the Navy? Uh, well, my dad um, did 30 years. 30 he years, He just retired right? a little over a year ago. My mom. 10? Um, 10 years. Yeah, they both met in the military. There you go. Um, so your mom Navy as well? Navy as well, Okay. Yep. Uh, any of them, were they stationed in Jacksonville at any one My point? My mom actually had did some training out here, um, so she was out here for a little bit. Dad, I don't think he was ever out here. Okay, was she at, because uh, we have a couple of them here. We have NES, and then we have Mayport. Did yeah. you ever find out I was where? just talking to her literally about this a couple of days ago. She doesn't even remember, though, because it happened so long ago. This is, we're talking 20-plus years ago, so, and it was, Jacksonville is way different than it is now, so um, she doesn't even remember, but, yeah, it was somewhere out here. I got you. So, me and JP were... We're talking, and Utah, being that it's the big-time football program that it is, we were sitting there trying to think, who's the greatest player to mm. ever come out of Utah to play in the National Football League? And there's a couple good ones now, mm -hmm. top of the list. Uh, Luther Ellis comes to mind because he played back kind of when I did. And then Steve Smith, also a guy that uh, now doing broadcasting on TV. But in your opinion mm – -hmm. Who is the greatest player beside yourself? Can't 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 use yourself. The greatest player <laughs> to ever play in the National Football League that came from Utah. Well, I can't give you one defined answer, um, but I can give you a list of a few people. Um, a couple that you mentioned: Luther Ellis, um, Steve Smith, obviously Eric Weddle. Um, you know, he just came back and won a Super yeah. Bowl, so um, you know he's a great player as well. Um, there was somebody that I just had on the top of my head that I'm missing now. Oh, Alex Smith. Yeah. See, number one pick. JP was on the yeah, one overall. Uh-huh. So, um, I mean, we've, we've had some talent, and, you know, you definitely – I mean, I can't put, you know, a number one on it. First of all, I'm biased. You know, I love all of them. Um, but, I mean, really, I think just, you know, them coming from Utah and, you know, having success in the league is amazing. So. Devin Lloyd with us, Jaguars linebacker. Let's get to arriving in Jacksonville now. Uh, rookie minicamp. Comes and goes, couple, three days on the field, and now all of a sudden this past week you've been out there with the veterans for the first time, OTAs next week. Uh, how's it been mixing with these guys in the building finally for the first time? Yeah, it's been cool. It's been cool. Um, you know, it's definitely obviously different than college, but um, I think everyone's been really welcoming uh, for the most part as far as just guys in the building um, and really extending their hand to me and kind of um, really just giving me advice, you know, um, on the field. Um, even off the field, um, in the locker room, things of that nature. So um, it's been a good vibe, and I can tell everybody around here is hungry to win, which, you know, I absolutely love, you know what I'm saying? So um, it's been a good few days of work, and, uh, you know, I can't wait to keep it going. For well, folks around here, Devin, it's a brand-new linebacker room, right? I mean, it feels that way. There's a few guys that are back, but it's been rebuilt. I mean, that is from Aluakun, you're in, Muma's in in the draft. That's a lot of change in one year. It's a stacked room. Do you guys feel that way too? Yeah, we got a lot of guys in there um, that are really good and that can do a lot of good things, you know, for um, the team. So um, it's competitive as you expect. Um, but, I mean, we're all, you know, getting each other better. We're all helping each other, um, you know, talking through things in the meeting room. So um, it's, a, uh, it's a friendly competition, I guess you could say. 
I think there's always a little bit of a, a bonding experience with the rookie class when you guys come in because you're the rookies, you know, and whether you guys are drafted or undrafted. And then also you've got a fellow first-round draft pick in Trayvon Walker. That's probably uh, one of the coolest experiences I think that you'll ever have is coming in as a rookie because you'll have a bond with these guys because you came in together and you're going to grow up in the league together. And mm-hmm. have you gotten to spend some time with some of the other guys so far? Yeah. Um, shoot, I know me personally I've been – hammering my playbook in my free time so I haven't been doing much outside of uh, the facility but um, in the facility and everything yeah we'll we'll chop it up and um, you know still you know getting to really um, get acclimated with the large majority of you know the players on the team but um, but yeah you know I'd say you know the rookies are pretty pretty tight with each other. What's the um, what's the feel with coach Peterson what do you like about uh, Doug so far? Yeah um, you know obviously he's very uh I say he's a player's coach just because, you know, he does know how to talk to the players and, um, you know, he has uh, pretty good um, communication with the players, I guess you could say. Um, But also uh, I can tell he's a winner. You know, he's got that mindset um, that he's going to do whatever he can for the team and whatever's best for the team. Um, So, you know, I love that. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm just excited to keep it going, you know, continue to, uh, to see what everyone is about, you know. Watching, watching the film on you at Utah, you did so many different things. Uh, you were uh, played will linebacker. Sometimes you were a deep middle third player when, like a like a cover two, playing that deep middle. You blitzed off the edge. You had a lot of different stat filling numbers. What do you envision yourself doing in the National Football League? At what type of position? Because you're so varied. I mean, you can do so many different things. What's your strongest suit, and what do you see yourself doing? Me personally. Um I mean, I feel like, especially in this uh, three-four scheme, um, obviously I'm learning inside linebacker right now. Eventually, I want to be able to transition to play any of those four, be interchangeable, um, and do what I did, you know, in college, uh, except at a higher level, it, um, with more success. Um, I mean, really, I see myself see myself as somebody who can do anything that you can ask a linebacker to do, you know. And I think the game is transitioning more from, you know, getting just, you know. I mean, dudes to – you got to be athletes now too, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, you know, I kind of want to be, you know, that that type where, you, you know, he's positionless. You can play wherever and do it at a high level, have success, not just be a liability and not just put him out there, but be able to be elite, you know. So, that's me. Yeah, the more you can do. I mean, you, you're pigeonholed into one spot. If you can play three or four spots, it's going to help uh, elongate your career, really. That's what it comes down to. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yes, you've got a you got a position coach that played the game uh and tony mm-hmm. uh, how 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 nice has it been to have a coach that's played the game because i know that that sometimes that's important because it 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 opens the ears a little bit and that your coach that's telling you things okay you're like okay he's been there he's done that right yeah yeah, yeah tg's perspective is um huge um like you said he's played the game so He's been in our shoes. He knows what it's like to be in our shoes. And so I think that perspective is huge. And um, him as a coach, you know what I'm saying, helps me so much as well as far as um, teaching me little techniques and um, sometimes not overcomplicating things, which is huge for me. I'm somebody who likes to keep it simple, try to maximize everything you can, um, you know, while keeping it simple. And I think he helps me do that. So. All right, final thoughts with you here before we get you out of here. I know it's the last thing you got to do today before you leave the building. So uh, OTAs next week. Um, what are you looking forward to? You can actually do some 11-on-11 11 11 stuff finally, yeah. some 9-on-7, but no contact, none yeah. of that. 
Closer to football now, right? Closer to football. And um, really what I'm excited for is just to get out and um, go compete, especially against, you know, our offense, who I know is going to be really good this year. So um, I'm just, I just, you know, love competing. So, you know, I'm excited to get out there and, first of all, see where my game is at stacked up against, you know, an NFL caliber offense. But um, also just, you know, find a way to get better, you know. Yeah, the, the the rookie year is a little bit of a whirlwind because you did you you know you were at the draft, you were prepping for the combine, you were prepping for this, you were prepping for that, yeah. and the one crazy thing about your rookie year, you haven't been prepping to play football yet. It yeah. seems like so so it's it's got to feel good to get back to football. Yes, it's so relieving, so relieving. Like you said, I've been focused on everything except football, you know, and I try to squeeze it in here and there, but you're so focused on thing from time to time. So now, whenever I can just focus purely on football, um, you know, it's breath of fresh air really hey thanks for taking some time out to join us today R- really good to visit with you and uh, you hope too. we get to do it again soon you're a communications guy come on in anytime <laughs> all right thank you we love thank it uh, linebacker <laughs> Devin Lloyd joining us the Jaguars are future focused and ready for a new look in 2022 join us at the bank as head coach Doug Peterson and linebacker Devin Lloyd lead the charge through a great home schedule lock in your seats at jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000 We're back in a moment. We'll review that conversation and talk about Devin behind his back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Congratulations. Let me get one. Let me get one. Yeah! Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. That is Devin Lloyd at the draft. Stealing the microphone from Melissa Stark. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Joe Fortunato, Brent Reber with us also. Devin Lloyd with us in studio in the opening segment. And, you know, we're, we're talking about it during the commercial break logs. You know, we see what he can do on the field, what, his, what he has done on the field at Utah. You get to spend some time with him like we just did and hear – how he approaches the game, how he approaches things off the field. You can't help but be really excited for what he could be for this organization. Well, I've always been a big believer in that uh, if you want to change the culture, then you get good people. I mean, seriously, that's the only way you do it. You get good people that are really good football players, and uh, he fits the bill in both of those categories. When you, uh, when you listen to him interview – because the, the, the interview process through the offseason leading up to the draft was lengthy. The NFL, they have these formal interviews that they do that league-wide they can look at them. Every team does formal interviews that they tape and that they can review. And he is an A-plus character player. And he's an A-plus player. So you put the two of those things together, and this is the kind of building block that you want to have this – that on your football team so you can change the culture. And so I'm really excited about him. Uh, I can be totally honest with you in that uh, your, your top picks of this year's draft are all A-plus character guys, and that makes a big difference. In past years here, you saw the where there was some question marks. Mm-hmm. There has been absolutely none of that this year. With Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke, they are getting players that are good people, that are good players, to help change this culture. 
A lot of linebackers, and that's not a bad thing to have a lot of uh, linebackers with talent. Foye Oluokun is here in free agency, of course, the league's leading tackler a year ago, and of course they they drafted Muma this year to and go you, with and JP it. And guys that were already here. What, yeah, but specifically Deep. the mini camp because we watched it over the weekend. Yeah, we didn't get to see Oluokun and and some of the other veteran guys, but we had a, a really good opportunity to watch this rookie class, and it was the drafted players, the free agent guys, and then also some that were here on a tryout basis. Mm -hmm. And watching Devin move, he's very athletic, he's very slippery, he's very different than how Muma moves. Muma's kind of like this classic shoulders square, big, broad-shouldered kind of linebacker. And if I had to, you know, if this were a 4-3 defense, Muma would be the Mike because he's the big, brawny, kind of bigger guy. And then Devin would be the Will, kind of like what uh, Telvin Smith Telvin was Smith. a few years ago right. because he's athletic, he moves, he can blitz. I think he's going to give the Jaguars a great option as a rusher. When you say rusher, what do you mean by that? I don't envision him as a guy that's going to put his hand in the ground on third down and be a pass rusher. I don't. I think he'd get eaten up just mm -hmm. because he's not that size and he doesn't have that length. But I really believe that when you start mixing things up with positional players that can play multiple positions, so like a Tr Trayvon Walker that can play defensive end or play linebacker, he can rush, he can cover. If you, are, you start confusing offenses and you're all of a sudden dropping a Trayvon Walker and then you're sending Devin Lloyd because yeah. he is a good blitzer – Okay, now we're talking. But I, I envision that he will get numbers in the sack department, but not as a hand-in-the-ground pass rusher, but as a what I call a zone dog blitzer or an extra blitzer in man coverage. I mean, his stats at Utah are, are nuts. I mean, especially last category. season. Every, he was all over the ball. Like, he had four picks last year. I mean, the guy's sacking the quarter. But he had more sacks than Trayvon Walker did last year. I mean, that's just the, way, the kind of game he played out there. Well – when uh, you know that's a, a conversation in and of itself about he had more sacks than Trayvon Walker, right. but the one thing I love about Devin is that it's always about the ball, correct? Yes. You remember a couple months ago we were talking about Miles Jack and free agency and do you bring him back? I remember this. And we were talking about okay, what are his numbers in the categories that are about the ball. There's no doubt. We had Sacks, that exact conversation. Cause fumbles, interceptions, right? The numbers, the, the, the difference-making plays. And I think some people were a little bit in shock when I said, look, show me the numbers that warrants keeping Miles Jack. And I wasn't trying to get rid of Miles Jack. wasn't far from that. But I was just saying is that you brought in a linebacker in free agency last year that had better numbers than Miles Jack, and his salary was about – Seven or eight million dollars less, mm -hmm. and so you've got to find a way to get more impactful numbers from that position. And here's Devin Lloyd coming from Utah that filled every one of those categories that we're talking about. The numbers that are about the ball, it's all about the ball, Logs. What it's about. I mean, you play good defense, okay? You take the ball away, you impact the ball, you impact the passer. Okay, sacks, interceptions, caused fumbles, recovered fumbles, those are all game-changing plays. And those are the plays that Devin Lloyd makes. 
And what I love about him, did you hear him talking about how he hasn't had that much time to chop it up with the guys? They use that quote, chop yeah. it up. I'm hip now. You are. Okay, he's not chopping it up with the guys except for when he's in the building because he's into the playbook. I what? Be- I believe it. I yeah. mean, Listen really? To that's no lie. He's going home at night studying the playbook? Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome. And was he, I mean, Muma, okay, didn't he ask one of our cohorts, can I get a playbook? Uh, absolutely. Yes, uh, right I mean, away. They, all, they want it. They what's want wrong it with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Those are, the guys, those are the guys you need. Those are the guys you want. Those are guys that are going to help you change the direction of your organization. Logs, we're going to find out what concerts you're coming uh, to Daly's Place because it's a busy schedule ahead. Didn't they just have the Lumineers? The last two nights. Yeah. I, missed, I heard they were really good. I, I, yes, I, I missed them. Uh, this Friday, Sting. Sunday, Chicago. And then uh, next Saturday, June 4th, the Jacksonville Taco and Margarita Festival. And then June 5th, the Doobie Brothers with Michael McDonald singing with them. And then two nights of the Dave Matthews Band, June 6th and 7th. Black Crows, June 11th. I mean, this is a... The Black Crows? Yes. They're great. I I saw them in concert in Long Island in like 1992. Well, you're about to hear the same exact album because they play the whole Shake Your Moneymaker album in this tour. Sweet. So get ready for that. Tickets at dailiesplace.com. We'll return with organized team activities, a preview. What does Logs want to see the next three weeks? Well, four weeks, including the minicamp. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. You know what? It already has for me um, with this team. I think about just the, you know, the numbers of guys that are here in the offseason program. It just shows the character and the, um, you know, sort of, who these guys really are, and football's important to them. You know, winning is important to them, and they, they're, they're willing to change and wanting to change and needing needing it to change, obviously. And um, it's a credit to the players, you know, and the leadership of this football team that, uh, um, you know, we have this many guys, you know, in our, in our offseason program right now. Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour. That's head coach Doug Peterson last week ahead of rookie minicamp. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. We're on 1010 AM, Jaguars.com, Jags Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The podcast on the free iHeartRadio app. Search Jacksonville Jaguars. Hit us up on Twitter at Logs56. He watches that all the time, let me tell you. And J- at J.P. Shadrick. So um, there you have it. That's Doug Peterson talking about the culture you can already kind of see some change in the building and the way guys are going about their business and wanting to get this thing right from uh, a year ago, especially the guys that are coming back. Well, the, the way you truly measure it is when the the scores start mattering, okay, uh, once you yes. get to the regular season. But, uh, you know, and everybody feels great about where you're at at this point of the season, all 32 teams. And, uh, you know, the rookie minicamp, just one of those steps. And it was, it was a, a joy to watch. A little different than in past rookie minicamps because the practice was conducted inside the stadium because of the construction that's going on outside of the stadium. Everything is happening uh, in the stadium, which is a pretty cool kind of an introduction for some of these young players. And that when you step out onto the practice field, you look up and you go, oh, my goodness. There's a lot of seats in here, okay? This is probably a little different than one of the places that I played at. Maybe not for a guy – like a Kevin Austin Jr. went to Notre Dame, Notre Dame but okay. The, the guy from <laughs> the guy went to Washita State or Washita Baptist. Washita. Yeah, that. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. he was probably like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. A little different. <laughs> uh, but it was good to watch. And, of course, the majority of the media, it was like uh, the Pied Piper. They were all following Trayvon Walker. And everywhere he went, the media followed. And uh, I think some were even actually documenting his wins and losses against the sled. <laughs> Guess what? I, I'm guessing he was undefeated. Yeah, it's, uh, look, I, I will tell you this. Uh, I would hope he would be. Big, strong, uh, powerful young man. And I think that that was very clear when you watch the film. And then when you watch him in person, it's, you're, just, you're confirming it. He's athletic. He moves well. I still believe he's got some learning to do and, and getting a plan to pass rush, but he will not get pushed around. I can tell you that. And watching him almost exclusively stand up in a two-point stance, I don't want to say it was eye-opening, but it was. I was anticipating how he would practice. Would he play with his hand in the ground? Would he be up? And clearly he's going to be up in a two-point stance. And he looked good. He looked the part. And, can he cover? Huh? You think he can cover consistently? Oh, I don't think that that's going to be his strong suit. I mean, look, you're not dra- – here's the thing. That's not why he's drafting. You're not drafting anybody yeah. first overall unless they're a corner to cover. Right. Okay, a linebacker slash defensive end has got one job. Go get him. Mm-hmm. Go get the guy that's throwing the football. Mm-hmm. And if you're drafting a guy to drop into coverage with, in that position, you've made a big mistake. But I like, I like the way he moves athletically and obviously his strength, his size. He's a big guy. Watching Devin Lloyd, he's just athletic. He moves extremely smooth. Uh, Snoop Connor, the running back, uh, exactly what you kind of expected, a really big upper body, yeah. powerful runner. He's a guy that when he was at what, what uh, Arkansas? It was Ole Miss. Or Ole Miss, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a downhill, one-cut type of a guy. Uh, Fortner, the center from Kentucky, okay, looks the part. Incredibly smart yeah. from all like, the reports. He's got two degrees yeah. and working on his MBA. Yeah. And that's the kind of guy that you want to have at center, right? The guy that's calling the, the adjustments up front taking pressure off your quarterback because he's got the front, he's got the adjustments, and uh, he's got some things that he needs to work on, some of his lateral movement, second-level blocking. He's got to you know, continue to get better at that, which I think he will. Uh, he was impressive. Uh, the two corners that were the sixth and seventh rounders, one from Wachita State, the other one from Arkansas, okay, look like typical sixth and seventh round corners. They've got, they've got the skill set. But now can they get the production? And you want to see them more in, in live action. But from the height, weight, measurables, the speed, those all look positive. The one guy that I think that is very interesting that is – or two guys that I would say that for me are very interested in the undrafted category, uh, wide receiver Kevin Austin Jr. from Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you watch the film on him at Notre Dame, he's a guy that uh, if it's a contested ball, he catches it. And he's going up, and, and I'm talking making contested catches. But most importantly, on the top of the route, when he's making adjustments to the ball, he makes them almost effortless. And he's a big guy. And then he ran a 4-3-4 40-yard dash. It's getting after it. I mean, that's – I mean, how does a guy like that not go – get drafted, but the production at Notre Dame was a little bit up and down. The last half of his senior season supposedly was very good. 
But just looking at him, he looks the part. His numbers say that he can be a part of the part. Uh, That was interesting. The other one that uh, I think is interesting, because when we were watching Trayvon Walker, there was a guy that was working with him that we were going, that other guy's pretty big too, (laughs) right? You remember that? Yeah. And so, and his name is Deshaun Dixon. And he was wearing number 47 during the rookie mini camp, and he's from Norfolk State. And, JP, there's no film on him. I tried Nothing. to find it. Really? I didn't find any film it's on gotta him. It's got to exist somewhere. I know. It's got to be somewhere. I, mean, I couldn't they just find like, it. Just pick him off a lineup? I, I, I couldn't find it. I couldn't. I tried wow. to find it. I got I to gotta start asking some questions to get the film <laughs> on this guy because he's an interesting prospect. He's, uh, he's a 6'4", 5-ish 260, maybe 265-pound guy that was doing some of the same things that Trayvon Walker was doing. And when you watch these two guys, you go, wow, those are outside linebackers? I mean, they're big. I mean, big guys. So, I mean, I, want to, I don't want to say that that's, that's all that I saw out there, but those are some of the things that, uh, that impressed me. Watching Muma move mm-hmm. was classic linebacker. And when you watch Muma and Devin Lloyd, it's kind of two different – traits you know Muma being the shoulders square he's uh, uh, moving laterally like a classic linebacker where Devin is is more of that athletic just turn and run and they're both going to be I think very effective linebackers and I think they're both wired the way you want to have linebackers and that they're just uh, they're, they're they're a thirst for knowledge so uh, so so far so good I mean the one thing you don't want to have happen and, and this has happened before here is that when you go out there for a rookie camp and you watch some of the guys that you just invested draft picks in or free agent contracts in and you watch them and you go, that doesn't look that good. You didn't have any of those moments. That's a good thing. So that's a good thing. That's a good step in the right direction. There's been one draft pick in Jaguars history where you went out there in minicamp and you went, two of them actually, where you went, did they actually draft that guy? Wanna, is is that the guy? It is. Oh, I, boy. I'm not going to ask you to name names. I don't want to name names on that. But I think everybody wants you to name names on that. Can't do that. We're not going to go there. No. Okay. Let's move along then. A couple different regimes. I mean, it's been one. You know, one way back. Uh, if I early keep days. digging at him, he might give us <laughs> what we're looking for. Uh, organized team activity schedule coming up. Uh, the next three weeks of OTAs. So ten on the schedule. They can get ten over three weeks. Uh, There will be one each week open for media, the first of each week. Monday this week, Tuesday next week, and then um, Monday the week after that. And then there's a three-day mandatory veteran minicamp June 13th through 15th. When we speak again, that would be on June 16th, the day after minicamp's done on this program, what do you want to say about, A, the Jaguars team at that point, and B, the Jaguars' offense, where do you want this to, to feel like on that day? Well, first off, where they're at. I mean, you're not going to really have a measuring stick of where they're at. But in a simple one-word one answer, health. You want to make sure that everybody comes out of everything that you're doing healthy. Don't want to have any setbacks. Don't want to lose anybody. Um, you know, to, to be a little bit more – Long-winded, you'd like to have the offense starting to showing some signs of, of them clicking to where the quarterback and the receivers are starting to build the, the camaraderie, the timing, uh, 
guys are starting to get get to know each other, so the communication is happening. And uh, but I mean, a, a true measuring stick. I mean, there's really not a measuring stick per se, because you're going against yourself. But you just want to have everybody to continue to work their craft, to continue to get better, to gain an understanding of what they're doing, because everything is new, JP. Mm-hmm. Everything is new. Oh, new system, bottom of the top. new coaches. Yeah. Coaches need to learn. Players need to learn. Familiarity is something that you want to be able to, after the conclusion of the all-season program, when you're going into camp, you're not so much worrying about, okay, what do I do when this check is made? And that you, oh, yeah, when we make this check, I'm doing this, and now I can focus in on the defender and what he's doing. So it's a reactionary thing, and you can be athletic instead of the mind slowing you down. So that's what the offseason program, I think, is, a, is all about, is, that, is, is establishing that core of knowledge so that when you get to the season, you're working on your craft, but more from a physical standpoint because you've, you've gotten – a really strong understanding of the, of the mental part of the game down. We'll come back in a moment. We'll go around the National Football League. And I got one other rookie oh. that I didn't mention Oh, on the offensive side of the ball. Oh. That uh, I'm not saying he's going to be all world. I'm just saying somebody to keep an eye on when we come back because everybody kind of expected Austin, right? He went to Notre Dame. Okay. But this one, nope. Didn't go to Notre Dame, wasn't uh, on anybody's radar, but when you watched him in minicamp, you went, huh, heck, hey, that guy moves pretty good. Okay. Well, he moves pretty good. That might narrow it down a little it bit. It would be a skill position. Okay. Well, that's all, the, that's all the, the hints we need. We're back in just a moment with plenty more ahead. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Always kind of dibbling and dabbling in the outside linebacker world, but just strictly working on outside linebacker things in practice, I feel like I'm truly getting more comfortable with the position, learning a lot more techniques coming from that position and not have to learn so many different other positions. Do you know you have a lot of techniques to learn, or have these guys opened your eyes up already to, hey, you've been really good at the collegiate level, but you can learn this much more? Oh uh, yeah, they definitely, it's always room for improvement coming from Georgia. There was a lot of techniques that we went over, but also coming here, like at Georgia, we ran a lot of techniques, but once I got here, break down a lot of those techniques that I learned at Georgia and just put them into a, a family and focus on that one thing. That is Trayvon Walker, number one overall pick, Jaguars outside linebacker, and welcome back. It's Jaguars happy hour, J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman and... Construction continues at the Football Performance Center just outside TIAA Bankfield. Some walls are going up. There look like some concrete stairwells and some elevator shafts that are going up. And uh, we're moving right along, Logs, if you're looking on Jaguars.com. Yeah, I've had, look. Uh, a lot of heavy equipment, a lot of dirt being, being moved around. And I think when this thing gets done, it's going to be uh, outstanding. It's huge. It's going to be huge, yeah. first of uh, all. How many yes. square feet? I, I, 100,000 or something Yeah, 120,000, I think yeah. it is, or something crazy. I, I was talking to Hamza this past week uh, during the rookie minicamp days before the practice, and he was giving me a – Hamza, my director of travel for the Jags. Yeah, and he's – And facilities. And he's doing some of the facilities work, and he's got the layout of how everything is going to look. And uh, so he was kind of giving me a little a little tutorial off of the architectural drawings. I was like, man, that's going to be impressive. Pretty cool. 
Yeah, excited for that. Yeah, me too. I'm excited for it. Players should be very excited for it. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with the facilities they currently have. I mean, this is still an excellent facility here. But by the modern-day NFL arms race standard, I guess you could say that it's not keeping pace. So the new one will do that. Oh, this is not even close currently. It's uh, it's no. crazy how things have changed. Uh, co- college football always had to have that <laughs> yeah, right. because it's recruiting. It's that's everything. And the NFL, it's not so much that as it is you need the functionality. But now that you have free agency in the NFL and it's becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, it is. Uh, I don't want to say it's a necessary thing anymore, but it's certainly become uh, more necessary than ever before. And on the other side of the street. The Shipyards Project is a go. The final conceptual approval by the Downtown Development Review Board last week. So that means um, it's a green light. And good. Now everything else, four seasons involved to, to make sure this thing is, is top-notch. And I, I have no doubt it will, it will be when it's done. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to at, at some point to where you can walk along the river. Because, I mean, right now you go from Riverside to essentially – what used to be the Jacksonville Landing, there's this beautiful river walk that you can ride your bike and walk and jog and, and do whatever you want to do. But it's just it's incomplete. Yeah, it, it ends now at the Berkman Plaza. Right, and yes. you, you want it to keep on going all yes. the way down to the stadium Correct. and this whole entertainment area. And uh, when it all gets done, it's, I think it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be a little while, though. They've they got a lot of work to do. All right, so you ready for my uh, yeah, you're uh, rookie, unknown? You're, uh, you left us with a cliffhanger before the last commercial timeout. What do you have for us? Uh, what rookie is this? Naz Bohannon. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. What position? He's a tight end. Uh, but he was also a forward in basketball, I think. That's all he played. Yeah. He was, uh, I think, it, uh, and I had to kind of read up on him, but he played last year at Clemson, but not football. Yeah. Played basketball. That's right. And then the uh, the years before that, he played uh, four years at Youngstown State. The Penguins. Yeah. The Penguins, for yeah. real? That's yeah. their name? Yep. Interesting. So he's got basically a basketball career. And then his basketball season was completing and not much of a future, I guess, in basketball. And he was a football player in high school. And the agent that he ended up signed with, this is an interesting story, is uh, Glenn Schwartzman. And Glenn Schwartzman had Marcus Pollard. Pollard, that's right, who has the same background story. Same background, uh, played play college basketball, didn't play college football, ended up going with the Colts and played for a very long time, currently working with the Jaguars in a couple different uh, capacities, including player programs, player development. And uh, this agent, though, has uh, – uh, had a number of players like that, like Marcus Pollard, um, Antonio Gates, Mo Ali Cox, most recently. Yeah. But the reason I bring him up is not because of the story and, and the connection with Marcus Pollard or any of that. But watching him in the rookie minicamp, he was athletic. I mean, his athleticism is very noticeable. Now, there's a long way to go for a guy that played college basketball to get to the point to where he's going to be an effective NFL player tight end. Got to learn to block. You know, is, uh, does he have the level of tough, toughness? Does he have 
the level of strength because they list him at about 6'5", 6'6", 235-ish. He's going to have to be a little bit bigger than that. And uh, But the one thing for certain, if you're a tight end and you can block a little bit and you can catch, you can create some major headaches for defensive coordinators. And this is an interesting this is an interesting thing, something to follow. I'm not saying he's going to yeah. be – a great player. I'm just saying something to keep an eye on. Another guy who went through that was Chris Manhurts. He played college basketball only and got a chance to try and out. And became a blocker. Yes. but it, How does that happen? How funny is that, right? But he <laughs> said last year during the Tebow experiment, whatever, that it took – Chris said it took him – Two years to really understand the physicality needed to play as a well, he figured tight it, he, end. he figured it out. You know what I mean? Like, it took that long. Yeah, so. he, he definitely figured that end of it out because yeah. he's a very good blocker. The, you know, and this is the kind, this is the kind of move that you do when you're an NFL team. Yeah. Okay? You have roster spots and opportunities to maybe say, hey, look, let's see if we can develop this guy. You don't bring, and no offense to Tim Tebow, but you don't bring a guy that is 30-something years old into camp and seeing if he can be a regular contributor at tight end. Right. So, but this is the smart thing, and it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch his athleticism. He caught one ball on a crossing route, and I was like, whoa. Who's that guy? Who's that? (laughs) And I, I got my rookie roster sheet out, and I was like, Okay, I never heard of him. He's a tryout player, and well, he's signed. Yeah, one of four. And then I kind of went back and read up on him because I was curious. But just like the uh, the young man from Norfolk State, I go to watch film on this Nasbo Hannon. Nope, <laughs> nope, <laughs> no film. You better watch some ACC basketball. So I was like, I wonder what the problem is. Well, then I found out, at, you know, later on that he was a basketball player. Hey, let's go around the National Football League in our five minutes remaining and start off with Ravens punter Sam Coke retired today. Cook. So, yeah. Uh, well, that means the only player left in the NFL from the 2006 draft is Mercedes Lewis. No kidding. Left that? in the entire league? The entire league, yes. Of and course, there's a few players from earlier drafts still around. You know, Tom Brady is still in, you know, from the 2000 draft. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's Aaron Rodgers from the 05 draft. Three from the 07 draft remaining. By, by the way, uh, just a, a little note on Cook. Excellent player. Excellent punter. Excellent hang time. He had arguably some of the, the best hang time of a punter. In the last two, three decades of any punter that that has been special teams in Baltimore, big he was deal. he was notorious mm. for his gross average and his net average. The differential was incredibly small. Very good player. The L.A. Chargers broke down, broke ground on their new football complex in El Segundo, 14-acre site, slated for completion in July of 24. The uh, temporary headquarters is in Costa Mesa down in Orange County. And the new headquarters, three miles from LAX, seven miles from SoFi. The Lakers and Kings are also down in El Segundo. So they're getting started with a complex, a permanent complex, ahead of the Rams. The Rams have just a simple complex on the campus of California Lutheran. Uh, Some temporary trailers. That's because they spent all their money on the stadium. Right? That's what it is. (laughs) It's functional. It's what it is. And uh, they've got, like... Where their equipment goes, like for the equipment room, 
they have these the portable container things that go on ships. They have three of those. They open them up. They throw all the stuff in there. That's it. Interesting. But it works. They won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, oh darn. <laughs> I would not want to break tradition. I would keep it status quo to make sure that uh, you don't break the mojo. Right. Uh, Giants head coach Brian Dable said in January he wasn't sure if he'd be calling the offensive plays. Well, Mike Kafka, former Jaguar, by the way, is the offensive coordinator. For a hot minute. For, yeah, a couple days. Uh, said Thursday that Kafka has been calling plays at practice, but the team has not made any decision about the process and how it will go in the regular season. If you're calling plays now, whoa, whoa, wouldn't whoa, you call whoa, whoa, plays whoa. in the fall? Let's, let's say this, JP. Yes. Okay. When you call plays in practice, it's not like calling plays in a game. Okay, you're not in the heat of the moment. You're not having to look at your call sheet and go, okay, we got second and seven. Okay, let me see second and seven calls. Okay, and then you're looking at a list of to pick from. Clock's and then ticking. Yeah, that's yeah, not right. what you do. Right. No, you, okay. It's all scripted in practice this time okay. of year. So if Kafka's calling plays, <laughs> I could call plays in a scripted practice. Joe Burrow took 51 sacks last regular season, the league high, 19 extra sacks in the postseason. And on the Full Send podcast this week said, you look at when they happen, third down sacks. Who cares about third down sacks? I'm going to try to extend the play as long as I can to get the first down on third down unless I'm in field goal range. He also said there are good sacks and bad sacks. Do you buy that? Yes, but he's also trying to protect his offensive line a little bit from the criticism, and I understand that. And that's what a, a good leader and a good quarterback will do. So uh, defend and make sure that you own some of those sacks, and that's exactly what he did. The fact of the matter is, though, is that if Joe Burrow wants to have a long, illustrious career and a highly successful career, that number has to come down. Throw it away, Joe. Uh, the Bills and the NFL Foundation have donated $400,000 to Buffalo's Eastside community in the aftermath of the recent killings at a local grocery store. 200000 to the Buffalo Together Community Response Fund. The remainder to various nonprofits on emergency response efforts uh, addressing immediate needs of residents. Good stuff from the Bills. Yeah, good, good job, Buffalo Bills. What a tragedy. So that'll do it for our show today. Oh, yeah, that's uh, craziness. Yeah, craziness. Our, our thanks to Devin Lloyd, Jaguars linebacker. Yeah, he's awesome. Going to be a good football player now. And uh, always a great visit, I think, that's going to be whenever we can get him on shows. It's going to be great. I can't wait to see him live. And I'm talking live and in pass. Yes, with that number 33 going. Uh, Brent Reber, Joe Fortunato, our thanks to Devin Lloyd. For Jeff Logman, I'm J.P. Shadrick. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. <laughs>